welcome to Music, Hope, Word, and Prayer, a podcast of rich music, hopeful prayer, and inspiring meditations with East Brentwood Presbyterian Church, a community church in the greater metropolitan area of Nashville, Tennessee. We are a faith community made up of a loving, welcoming family of believers in honest conversation with God. We seek to emulate the ministry of Jesus through compassionate service, with stimulating and relevant exploration of God's Word, and by sharing that Word and God's many blessings with our neighbors in Middle Tennessee and around the world. Hello, welcome to this uh, episode of Music, Word, Hope, and Prayer. This is John Hilly, and uh, joining me as always is Nate Strasser. Nate, how are you doing? Doing pretty good. Awesome. Hey, I've been uh, noticing as of late that it seems that as we are in this sort of Advent and Christmas season, which... uh, uh, is here as we're recording this in December. Is we keep on hearing the phrase "Do not be afraid, do not fear." Have you noticed that? Yeah, that's been a common phrase around here recently, for sure. Yeah, for sure. And uh, and I will hear it on Christmas Eve when the shepherds are told by the angels, "Do not be afraid." Uh, and it takes me back. I remember back in uh, 2020. Uh, and actually, I, I noticed, uh, I did a Google search that uh, the word fear was the sixth most searched word in the English language in 2020. You remember what was going on back then? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and then I, I looked at 2021, and it had dropped out of contention for uh, um, the, the, the top uh, words that were searched. But I noticed the word sorcery uh, was the, uh, it, it had increased 196% on the Bible app um, for search word sorcery. Why is that so? Do you know why? Uh, maybe some people with the, the vaccine and having certain feelings about that. Nate, you are right on. It was at, uh, There's a Greek word, I think it's uh, uh, pharmakeia. And, uh, and, and, and which, according to the Greek English dictionary, meant the employment of drugs for any purpose, sorcery, magic, or enchantment. So that was 2021. So I, I noticed that love and, and, and hope have returned for the most, uh, search words on the Bible apps. And so that, that, that's good. It's good. Dro- fear has dropped, but it still is, isn't the case. It's hard not to fear. Especially for parents, uh, you're you're a parent of uh, two wonderful young uh, young young boys, and uh, do you, you you never fear about the well being of your kids, do you? We I sure do. My giving them healthy foods to eat, am I teaching them the right things, and my um, sending them to the right summer camps and you know all the kind of stuff so it's it's something you think about every day <laughs> yeah and my sons are now uh on either side of 30 and so uh, I, I still uh am not free of fearing for uh for their well-being. Uh, so in this episode, I'm going to bring in some parental advice I gave to them recently. I'm also going to share some words that uh, I came across from a, a professor I met from the University of Virginia who shared some uh, words of advice to some students of his uh, after their November shooting that took place at University of Virginia. Um, I'm going to be talking a little bit about the Mary passage here in Luke 1, through 38. And uh, let's just get down to it. So um, there's a We've been using poetry during the the Sunday service, and there's a great poem by uh, Sarah uh, uh, R. Speed that we use, uh, Love Comes Running. And why don't we, because uh, it deals with sort of um, parents and uh, and how God is like the, the, the parent. Uh, Nate, do you remember that 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 poem? And I, let's, let's share that. How does, how does that go? Yeah, I'll read it for you. It says, Love Comes Running. I remember the first time I was afraid. 
I was a child. It was a nightmare. You remember those pesky monsters under the bed? I remember minutes felt like hours. I begged the sun to rise. Fear always begs the sun to rise. Eventually, after minutes that felt like hours, I cried out. My dad came running. He sat at the edge of my bed. He said, there's no reason to be afraid. He checked the closet and the floorboards. He rearranged my pillows. He said, I can stay. And that's when I learned that when you are afraid, love always comes running. Love says, I can stay. That's what God does for us. God sits at the edge of the bed. God checks the closet and the floorboards. God says, be not afraid. God stays until sunrise. Love always comes running. Love always comes running. All right. Well, mu- that's a beautiful poem. And Nate, what kind of music uh, What are you going to offer today? Yeah, we got, uh, I will follow you. Says, Do not be afraid. I am with you. I have called you each by name. It's a, a beautiful hymn from our, our hymnal that's uh, become a big part of what we do here. All right. In the show notes, I have put the link in there for the passage of Luke one twenty six through 38. And uh, after the music, uh, uh, I'll come back and share some of this, uh, these words here on this episode title, title of Love. Um, I say, uh, do not fear. That's the episode title. Here's the prayer. Holy God, whether it's through angels or music, friendships or sermons, study or nature, when you speak, we long to hear it. In a world as chaotic and broken as ours, we could use your words of hope and healing. With gratitude, we pray. Amen. Do not fear or be not afraid, as the angels will tell the characters in the Christmas stories. Well, some have taken these words, whether they are from the prophet Isaiah or from Luke's gospel, and interpret them as an indictment on those who are afraid, as if to say, fear, 
signifies a less robust faith, as though those who can be anxious or fearful have a spiritual problem, or a lack of faith, or are deficient when it comes to prayer. That offends me, quote-unquote, writes Cole Arthur Riley. This indictment, she says, that there is something wrong with us. She's a wonderful voice, Cole Arthur Riley, author of Black Liturgies. I discovered her work this past week. She writes, God is not criticizing us for being afraid in a world haunted by so many terrors and traumas. Fear's origin, she says, is not evil, though evil certainly wields it against our souls. And she continues on, perhaps it's not the indictment of God we are sensing, but our own souls turned against themselves. I wouldn't dare criticize Christ in the garden, sweating, crying, pleading for God to let the cup pass from him, Luke 22. This is a Christ who knew fear deeply. And if God himself has been afraid, I have to believe he is tender with our own fear. So we here don't be afraid, and we hope that it's not a command not to fear, but rather I propose it's the nurturing voice of God drawing near to our trembling. Thus, today's episode title, God Meets Us in Our Fear. For which of us doesn't feel fear? Parents, who of you haven't felt fear for your child's well-being? And uh, the poet that Nate read in the opening is spot on. And no matter the ages of our children, we still can be fearful. Some weeks ago, sometime, I must have been October, while I was watching an afternoon Tennessee Titans game in a crowded restaurant with my sons. And it seemed that the, I noticed a wafting of the feelings of anxiety and fear surfaced as we talked. I recall more of the emotional undercurrents than I do the exact conversation. They had expressed concern with rightful and fitting anxiety, the threat to democracy. This was before the November election and and also over our limiting world and how generations of adults have, quite frankly, uh, in the minds of many 20-year-olds, screwed up the world with their disregard for the earth they now live in as adults and will potentially raise kids in. Their fear and anxiety stayed with me. And recently, uh, after a couple of weeks of thinking about this, I wrote them a letter, of, of which here is a portion, a portion that seemed relevant to today's scripture passage or, uh, from Luke uh, to Mary, uh, Luke 126-38. And the gist of the le- what I wanted to say in the letter was this. The, Since the conversation that day, I returned to my own feelings as a parent of successes and regrets and a parent's wish to smooth the rough edges of a child's life no matter the age. I recall, too, as I write this letter of my handwritten letters from my dad to me when I was in my 20s. I still have some of his letters, his writing hardly legible, mine even worse now, but I hold on to them as they are a tangible connection of me to him. Previous generations and peoples can say that they have faced tumultuous clouds on the horizon, the forced removal of native populations, the darkest hours of World War II with London bombings and concentration camps. But the angry, violent ones stirred by our breaking world indeed feel more ominous. Who knows what you will face in the future? Who knows what any of us will face at any time? 
Lately, I must admit, I've become more aware of endings. It's the nature of my work as a pastor, walking with churches as churches are experiencing a kind of death with shrinking and attrition in a changing culture, and then physically walking alongside of people as they are dying. What people always want, whether it's always around a, a meeting or a bedside, is certainty. Why? How long? I, too, have always wanted answers. There's something to be learned here in these times. How do we increase our tolerance for uncertainty? And in the absence of answers, how do we live without knowing? Because we all want to know what happens next, to fix upon some certainty as an anchor in the rough seas of our times. But to tolerate uncertainty is to become buoyant, able to bob in the waves no matter the tide. That is not an easy practice. It's a learned practice, and I hope you will all develop it. This sounds weird to write, but the other day I brought in a speaker to speak to a group about how to walk alongside people who are dying. And the general advice given seems to be great advice for our living. What that person said seemed to be these things. Help people normalize their feelings. Minimize regrets. And see that people have the capacity, the capacity to change even right up to the end. The letter to my sons continued, but let's go back to this story of Mary. Mary was perplexed, the scripture says. She was afraid. Who wouldn't want answers? And who wouldn't want certainty? Mary is told, do not be afraid. I want to believe she was told this not to minimize her feelings as though there was something wrong with her for feeling afraid. What is more, I, I find it beautiful in this story of Mary that in the face of terror, yeah, 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 terror, the, I mean, because the angel's a celestial being after all, and we can, I mean, we can scream at spiders and bugs in our hair. How would she not feel terror as a young girl with the news that she will be the surrogate mother of God? I find it, I find it beautiful in this story of Mary that God doesn't bid us toward courage as we might perceive it, as in, gird up your loins, John, gird up your loins. Mary, buck up, you got this. Instead, God draws us toward fear's essential travel mate, the company of one another. For after Mary's initial skepticism about the message she's receiving, and the angel says, do not be afraid, you'll find it in verse 30, the angel shares with her the message of what will come and explains how it will occur. And then the angel points her to her cousin, Elizabeth as an example to prove that, as it says in verse 37, if you were to look at it, that nothing is impossible for God, end quote. To which Mary then says, let it be. Acceptance. And it leads me to wonder, could it be that from Elizabeth she understands um, and is able to summon her courage? It seems that friendship, community, is not meant to replace fear but to exist together in the dissonance of our lives as we face uncertainty. So that leads me to this, um, this summer. The author and University of Virginia professor Charles Marsh was speaking here in Nashville at a bookstore, Parnassus book, about his new book, Evangelical Anxiety. And afterwards, I, I joined him and others for a conversation where, among other things, we talked about our uh, shared interest in Dietrich Bonhoeffer. 
Uh, Charles Marsh's book is about um, growing up as a very pietistic evangelical youth, much like I I did, and how, in his case, he'd go on to experience serious mental health issues during late adolescence and his early adult life when the onset of generalized anxiety typically takes place. Uh, he, He remarks how he was 23 years old when he experienced his first major anxiety attack, but it wasn't until 30 that he sought professional help and found it. And to paraphrase Charles, he says, in the case and ministrations of an empathetic physician and in psychotherapy, which would have been taboo in his conservative church circles in Mississippi that turns on a chastened view of our capacities for autonomy and control. And following Jesus, he had been taught, he had been taught this was a solitary walk carrying the cross of deprivation. Uh, it was to fight the forces of darkness alone with scripture and prayer. It was the saving grace he needed to learn that he could not do this alone to extricate himself from his situation. And I mentioned that uh, that book, Evangelical Anxiety, because I know a lot of folks are becoming um, uh, as though the evangelical home for them doesn't uh, fit anymore and are experiencing a, a good bit of anxiety around what is my future as a person of faith? Uh, and so I refer Charles Marsh's book, Evangelical Anxiety, to you. Um, now, it's now months later, and uh, after our summer uh, gathering, um, he's teaching a class to undergraduate students who themselves have lived with so much anxiety over these last couple of years trying to be a remote uh, student or on-campus student or a hybrid student. Are you Oh, man, the toils of 2020 and 2021. But I'm speaking of 2022, when on Sunday night, November 13th, Charlottesville was put under lockdown after the mass shooting at the University of Virginia that left three people dead and two people hospitalized. Where Charles Marsh realizes the anxiety that young people can face. And late at night, he finds himself sitting in the darkness of his living room, reaching out to his students in his class, saying, text or call if you want to talk. He said, I'll be up. In those hours against unspeakable tragedy, he understood once again that the strongest antidote to fear is the knowledge that we are not alone. I think there's something really powerful in that, something even all-producing in that, that we're not alone. And I think that when the angel pointed Mary to Elizabeth, it underscored how she was not alone and that nothing is impossible with God and having someone to walk along with you saying, I am here. Thanks be to God. For yes, when we are afraid, love always comes running. Love says, I can stay. Thanks be to God. Thank you for joining East Brentwood Presbyterian Church today for music, hope, word, and prayer. To learn more about the life and ministry of EBPC, our commitment to being a Matthew 25 congregation, or to support this ministry with a financial contribution, visit us at our website, ebpctn.org, or visit us on Facebook at East Brentwood PC, or subscribe to our YouTube channel, 
EBPC videos. Thank you.